0: Innovation and discovery have flourished at Carolina since its founding. Centuries later, these two things continue to play a major role in creating a sustainable campus. Here, on the Sustainable Carolina podcast, we talk with Tar Heels about the intertwined nature of sustainability. I'm Abigail Brewer, Communications and Engagement Specialist for Sustainable Carolina. Today we're here with Mike Peeler, Chief Sustainability Officer and Director of the UNC Institute for the Environment. Thanks for being with us today, Mike. How have things been going for you and Sustainable Carolina over the past several months?
1: It's a really exciting time. We've been able to lay out ambitious goals and be very clear about the things we want to achieve around sustainability. We've developed metrics to track our progress, and we're making great progress. It's a privilege to work with a group of people with backgrounds in communications, sustainability, energy, and work together to reach our sustainability goals. And we're doing it in a way that connects directly and intentionally to the university's research, education, and service missions.
0: Definitely. And making those connections and bridging the gaps between research and operations have been a big priority of the Council since it formed in 2020. It's hard to believe that we're coming up on the two year anniversary of the first Sustainability Council meeting that was held before my time in October 2020. Can you tell us what the council has achieved, especially within the past year?
1: The Carolina Sustainability Council is a wonderful asset. Just having it exist, having so many people be willing to give of their time and serve on the council and be a resource to Sustainable Carolina and the university is a wonderful thing. We have lots of great examples of individuals being involved, but the whole group being collectively involved in so many major milestones like the climate action plan, like the water plan and all the metrics that we have to measure our progress as we move forward. We've received invaluable support from the Sustainability Council. The student members in particular have been remarkable. Um, Our original team members met with me before the council even existed. And that was a great way to to kick off a a good model and a realistic model for student involvement in the council. It continues to be a great avenue. We want to improve our ability to communicate with a broader range of students. Um, We have some models that have done fairly well with an environmental coalition, but we really want to work on that and improve that.
0: Yes, I've only been here since January of this year and can already see how important it is to have a conduit for all interested parties to speak on behalf of sustainability and what they hope to see for the future of the university. Undergraduate students may only be here for four years, but they often come with good ideas that could be successful if implemented. And especially in a field as interdisciplinary as sustainability, it's always helpful to approach initiatives and programs through a variety of lenses. You yourself approached sustainability through an environmental scientist's lens. You stepped into this leadership position of chief sustainability officer as a career environmental researcher. And the last time you were on this podcast, in May 2021, you talked about how you thought you were learning the ropes pretty quickly. What are some of the most valuable things you think you've learned so far?
1: I think the most valuable thing is something that I knew, but I've I've reaffirmed and learned again and again, and that is... If you're talking about something that you don't have a a deep background in, take some time to learn about it. To be honest, I've read some physics books trying to understand the details of how our cogeneration plant works and how that translates into activities that we undertake around sustainability and trying to find the optimal way to to generate electricity and to generate steam that are required for the university to run. Um, I'm not afraid to take a step back and learn more if I need to. My background um, in many cases isn't directly connected to the things we're doing, except for perhaps in the case of water where it's pretty directly connected. But um, being trained as an environmental scientist, I've always had a pretty good feeling for the ways that people and the environment interact. And just looking at the specific instances where where we're focused on topics that may not be as familiar, I've I've made a big effort to try and get some more background before jumping in. And most importantly, to, to have people Um, within the group who have expertise in a wide range of topics.
0: You mentioned our co-generation plan. I think it's a good time to talk about the climate action plan that we have here at Carolina. This was the first big publication out of Sustainable Carolina, and the first one that I read when coming into my position here. The plan lays out our path to 2040, the year that we aim to achieve carbon neutrality. How do you think this plan will help us achieve our goal? And how do you think the plan has benefited the university already?
1: So I think the biggest benefit is probably informational, to have all of the issues laid out in a single document that we are trying to address um, with regard to climate change and the drivers of climate change. And it is a more specific plan in that it deals with the university but it's also in some ways a pretty universal feeling plan in that the university's energy transition away from fossil fuels and hopefully toward renewables and all the way increasing efficiency, but also being realistic about how the university works and what we need to do to be able to function. um, That's really a universal thing. What the Climate Action Plan does really well, I think, for those who have a look at it is lay out the challenges, lay out a set of very sensible approaches to try and meet those challenges and meet our goal, which is carbon neutrality by 2040. So that's accelerated by 10 years, which is exciting. Um, It's something that is supported by the modeling and the simulations that we've done around what activities are likely to be able to happen in the near term and the medium term and what that will do to our carbon emissions. Um, But what, what we've done is lay out a sensible plan um, with enough information uh, for everyone to understand the thinking behind the the assertions that we make, but also providing a set of metrics to gauge success as we go forward. I think it's really important with plans like this that they not just be talk, so I am especially pleased.
0: I think a lot of times campus can feel like its own bubble. How does a climate action plan coincide with additional climate and resiliency efforts in surrounding communities?
1: We released our Climate Action Plan just following Chapel Hill's Climate Action and Response Plan. And that uh, created even more coordination between the town and the university um, to the extent that we meet regularly with the town. We are certain to share information related to sustainability as it comes up. And we're also looking for ways to pursue our shared goals um, as a collective rather than just as individuals.
0: I really like what you said just a little bit ago about how this plan is not just talk. That we're showing progress in reduction. And one of the programs that Sustainable Carolina has implemented to increase energy efficiency across campus is the Champion Sustainability Fund, made possible by a $1 million gift from Haines Brands. We're at the point where we're beginning to see projects being funded through this Green Revolving Fund model. What has the partnership been like with Haines
1: Brands? It's really been outstanding. It was outstanding from the beginning, similar to the alignment with Chapel Hill around the climate action plan. We, when we were speaking with Haynes about their gift before they made it, uh, were really interested and pleased to see the degree to which their recent commitment to um, a sustainable future and our climate action plan and really our broader visions around sustainability for the university how much they were aligned. They're a business, so there's a little bit of a difference there um, in that they focus on product, but their, their other two Ps in their plan are people and planet. And so it really aligns well with the way that we think about sustainability as an attribute of the university. They're a company that has had a longstanding relationship with the university. So just building on that relationship in a slightly different realm, focusing on sustainability has been both a lot of fun and very, very productive.
0: That reminds me, at Cleantech this year, Chris Fox, the Chief Sustainability Officer at Haines Brands, gave a really great talk about their dedication to the triple bottom line. I'll link the YouTube video of his presentation in the show notes of this episode. While this partnership is still young, we're already beginning to see great progress being made. What specifically excites you about the future of our partnership with Haines Brands? Sometimes when big
1: Things happen and big thresholds or big um, plateaus are reached in relationships and uh, having a company give the university a million dollars is certainly a a huge event. But sometimes when those big events happen, there is then a cooling of discussion and a cooling of conversation just because everyone's happy to have achieved the goal. And that's never been the case with Haynes. You mentioned Chris Fox. He's constantly in contact, interested in how the programs that they're supporting are, are going to manifest. At the university, and really interested in continuing the conversation and seeing what else we can build between these two great North Carolina institutions. So, I'm excited because it doesn't feel like we've reached the finish line. We've done a a remarkable thing and we've set up a really exciting program in the Champion Sustainability Fund. But I also think the the best may be yet to come, despite the the great things that have already been.
0: I think the question that a lot of our listeners are going to have is what types of projects are being funded? Can you talk about any specific projects yet?
1: Absolutely. So, Melanie Elliott, who is our sustainability analyst, has taken the lead on uh, developing the Champion Sustainability Fund program. Um, We have an advisory group that she put together who've been incredibly helpful. Um, And we now have been looking at specific projects. And it looks like early on, The projects are likely to be the ones that are a little bit more straightforward, such as lighting upgrades to LED. Um, The reason for this is that they're fairly logistically simple and they have very quick returns on investment. And what we'd like to do is have a few of the early projects be relatively straightforward. There can always be complications. You never know, but appear at least to be relatively straightforward so that we cannot be testing both the function of the system and from a financial and administrative perspective and our ability to do the projects, so have the projects be things that we think are likely to happen and make sure that we've got the, the system as we want it.
0: Well, I know we're all very excited to see what this partnership brings to the university. Now that we're up to speed on progress made under the Climate Action Plan, let's dive into our water plan. This is the second topic that Sustainable Carolina has released a plan exploring. Why did the team choose to explore this topic next?
1: So when I began in this role, there was a draft document that was a sustainability roadmap. And it was the roadmap that was to be followed to reach the sustainability goals around the major areas um, that the university was focused on, greenhouse gases, water, and waste. And I made the decision that it made more sense, given where we were in our new organization, and... Given that we wanted these documents to be really accessible and digestible and things that people, all of the stakeholders who are so interested in what we do, would be able to to really get a grip and a hold on, Um, we broke it into three pieces. So we started with the climate action plan and then the next year, very shortly thereafter, followed up with the water plan. And I think water was, was a natural to be next. Um, it's especially interesting and fun for me as someone who's done research in water for a very long time,
0: but it also
1: aligned very well with the progression of our stating our objectives and then setting out plans to achieve those objectives.
0: The plan examines our water sources, the progress that we've made in decreasing our water footprint, and how we can work to implement strategies to further water conservation and improve water quality. Something that I didn't really know before was how closely linked we are to OWASA. We're the utility's largest customer and have had a partnership with them for years. Can you talk a little bit about the history of our partnership with OWASA?
1: Before there was OWASA, the university's water infrastructure carried um, the area. So that has been a partnership from the beginning. Um, It's been one that's been incredibly successful. Uh, It's one where the two organizations have supported each other's goals and have really allowed those goals to be met.
0: And the water plan outlines some of the ways we use reclaimed water on campus, such as for irrigation and flushing of toilets. This strategy is just one way innovation has led to resiliency. And the water plan outlines why it's important to continue innovating and how the expertise of researchers and practitioners in schools and departments on campus can enhance our water sustainability efforts. What roles do you see schools and departments playing in water research, and why is it so important to look through multiple lenses?
1: Fortunate to have research expertise in almost all the areas we work, but water is definitely one where the expertise is deep and broad. Um, The Water Institute is a global leader in having access to clean water and, and proper sanitation. We have the Environmental Finance Center that has been providing support to organizations who seek to build either stormwater or drinking water infrastructure and understanding how all that's going to work financially, which is critical for the university. We Everything we do will have to be paid for in some way and understanding the associated costs and looking for um, smart ways to build things either in phases or to build things with support that might not be entirely apparent. Understanding those opportunities is, is incredibly helpful. So, we've been really fortunate to have general input um, in terms of the, the nature of the water report, the nature of the goals, being certain that the, the metrics are clear, but also some really specific input into areas where the university is, has had many past successes, like stormwater, um, and is looking to the future potentially to do even more, like reused water.
0: The water plan also mentions a 2007 Senate bill that called for at least 20% improvement in water efficiency beyond code for new buildings and existing building retrofits. One way to be more efficient is to use reclaimed or non potable water, which we just talked about. How has Carolina increased its non potable water use? Is there anything that could allow us to increase the use of non potable water? even more in the future. It's
1: looking for the opportunities as you're renovating or build, building new buildings to have the infrastructure that allows you to employ the reused water, which is not necessarily incredibly straightforward if you have an old building. So retrofitting can be a little bit challenging. So it's looking for those times when you're going to be in a building renovating and being sure you take advantage of every opportunity you have to add reuse water for, for things that can be, can be applied to. A lot of the program around water reuse has focused on outdoor uses such as irrigation. And I believe there are gonna be more opportunities for that as we move forward. We have some interesting complexities with that and that the university has wells that it uses for irrigation. And so thinking about whether continuing to use those wells is a problem as much so as it would be if you were using fresh water from Owasa and how well water compares to reuse water for irrigation is definitely a, a going consideration. But everything we do we look for more efficiency looking for all of the uses of water trying to find ways to to make them lower flow whether it be just fixtures in the sink or whether it be toilets trying to find a way to reduce water flow. Of course the university is a research powerhouse and labs are big water users so understanding how and whether um, water use within labs could be managed is a very important step.
0: Within the past six months or so since the plan has been out, I feel like we as a team have done a great job engaging with different student organizations and departments when they have come to us with questions on the topic. In addition to providing information and insight into energy and water efficiency, How else does Sustainable Carolina engage with the university?
1: So we've ramped up communications through multiple channels, through social media, through conventional media, through communications through things like white papers. Um, We have a huge amount of data around sustainability at Carolina and we are excited to share all of it. And we wanna be sure that we're sharing all of the facts. Um, These are complex issues. There are lots of different metrics involved in trying to understand how you balance the university's operations with its sustainability. We feel like we're doing a a much better job on that. We also have done assessments on the degree to which we've succeeded in every manner. So, not just in our sustainability goals, but in our goals for communicating sustainability, in our goals for being sure that we're reaching all of the audiences that we need to, and in our goals for making sure that we're connecting back to all the different parts of the university's function. We've been reaching out to groups and responding when we get inquiries. So, not just trying to be reactive when there's a problem and someone reaches out to us to understand it, but rather being proactive and in providing information, for example, about the university's district energy system that requires steam to function, and the fact that the cogeneration facility's primary use to the university is generating steam. The electricity is a great byproduct and increases the efficiency at which the the cogen plant works. But the steam mm-hmm. is critical. And without it, the hospital and the labs and the university cannot function. But that balance between university operations and function and pursuing sustainability goals is critical. Obviously, things like hospitals absolutely cannot have any downtime.
0: We mentioned at the beginning of the episode that we only have undergraduate students here for four years, yet they come to us with all of these great ideas for sustainability. What advice do you have for students looking to make a difference on campus?
1: Undergraduate and graduate students at Carolina are a great part of the strength that we have around sustainability. There are so many people who are so interested in it and pursuing different angles and different avenues to advance sustainability on campus. Um, We're always happy to have students reach out to us, whether it be for an informational request or reaching out to see if there's a way they can be involved in the things that we're doing. As we grow, one of our major emphases is to be sure that Sustainable Carolina itself has ways that students can plug in and be supportive and help us move forward and innovate. There are lots of opportunities throughout campus. There are remarkable um, environmental and sustainability student organizations. These are listed on our webpage, sustainable.unc.edu. So we always send students there to to get oriented and to look for potential resources. And they're great student leaders within all these organizations. So even if you don't end up plugging in with a specific group, You'll be talking to someone who is going to be very well versed in sustainability as, as a discipline and also trying to understand at least a couple facets or all facets of sustainability depending on the focus of the student organization. We're, we're working to have improved points of contact within Sustainable Carolina. Um, we have, I think, a, a good uh, laundry list of resources that are pretty descriptive Um, A place where you can go and have a good sense of the landscape of organizations, but we are working hard to to make it much more seamless and to make the experience for an interested student feel a lot more intuitive. So rather than just reading through this laundry list, we're hoping to have it be more thematic and guide students through these resources and direct them to where they need to go. We actually have a new resource now that's courses around sustainability, and that similarly has evolved and now is a little bit more intuitive in terms of how you look for things that you're interested in and try and avail yourself of all the great resources of the university.
0: If you're a student and missed meeting those groups at our recent Sustainability Social, you can find a list of organizations that we've worked with in the past on our website under the Get Involved section. Thanks again for being with us today, Mike. From the Climate Action Plan to the Water Plan to everything that comes next, the Sustainable Carolina team is here for the University to provide information and feedback on sustainability topics. If you have questions or if you have an idea for a podcast topic, send us an email at sustainableunc.edu. That's S U S T A I N A B L E at unc.edu. That's